Welcome to The Ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, and IROC dealer. Let's get to it. One of the most common questions when getting ready to start taking income in retirement is, when do I start taking my CPP payment? That's the Canada Pension Plan payment. In this episode, host Chris Turow will go over some things to help you figure that out. Chris also has Gary Armstrong, a chartered professional accountant and certified general accountant on the show. Now, Gary has a specialty in taxes, and he will discuss tax consequences to consider. His experience spans personal and corporate tax services, including time with international accounting firms. Now, Chris, your key question here is no doubt of interest to lots of people. Thanks, Patrice. Yeah, it's definitely a question that I get quite often regarding when we start going through retirement income planning. Lots and lots of people, when do I take my CPP? And if you Google that you're gonna, that question, you're going to get all kinds of hits on it because it's just a very common question for Canadians in retirement. So in Canada, we have the three pillars of retirement income, which is one is the universal benefits such as old age security, which people are aware of. The second pillar is earnings-related programs such as CPP, which we're talking about today, which means that both the employer and employee have to contribute to it. And the third one, which we've done many podcasts on, is voluntary savings, which can be through work pensions and like individual savings, such as RSPs and tax-free savings accounts and stuff like that. So since we get asked this all the time, when, when is it best to take my CP? I just wanted to go over some questions that listeners can ask themselves to give themselves a better idea on when it might be best for their situation. Many times I'll hear people say, well my friend took it at this age or a relative took it at this age. So that's kind of why I started it then and or coworkers or whoever else. The thing is there is no cookie cutter solution on this. And there is several factors to kind of consider before deciding on when it's the best time for you as an individual to take this. So of course, who wouldn't want more money in their pocket today, but is that always just going to be the only thing to consider And that's what we'll chat about. Now, we're going to go over things to consider, but we always have to just keep in mind that no one's retirement is a straight line. We've mentioned this multiple times. And that interest will change, health will change for people, personal relationships will change, and spending will change. So we have to, so we hope anyways, to provide some insight on how you can make the right decision when it comes to taking your CPP. So as Patrice said, today we have our in-house accountant, Gary, on the show to help us for everything is about taxes around CPP. And thanks very much, Gary, for joining us. So before we get into me asking Gary some questions, I'll just give a quick summary. Most people know what CPP is, but I'll just give a quick summary. Is It's basically a pension plan that you get that once you put money in, your employer matches. This is available to you as early as age 60, and you can delay it all the way up to age 70 with a bunch of incentives, which if the government gives you, if you delay, and we'll touch on that. And basically in Canada, if you're making over 3,500 bucks a year and you're over the age 18, you're already contributing to this. 
So CPP contributions, as I mentioned, they're split equally between the employer and the employee based on the employee's income to a maximum that's set by the federal government. And each year that changes. So in 2021, the contributions on both sides, employee and employer, is 5.45% of the gross earnings set to the maximum, which is called the year's maximum pension earnings of 61,600. So basically in 2021, the max that you'll contribute to this is $3,166 coming from you and the same amounts matched by the employer. Now, if you're self-employed, you're on the hook to pay both sides. And I remember a long time ago when I was in the fire department, the fi- a lot of firefighters, police officers, nurses, teachers, they're all very happy around, around July or so, because that means their paychecks would usually go up because they were done paying the uh, CPP for the year. And uh, I just remember that because then through the remainder of the year that they're happy to have more disposable income. Anyway, so just uh, quickly touch as well too, that the maximum monthly amount that you'll get at age 65 right now for 2021 is the absolute max is $1,203 per month. This goes up each year due to inflation protection, which we'll get into later. And the thing, the most important thing about that is not to just assume that you're going to get the max because a lot of people, when they're, starting to think of CPP, they just assume that they're going to get that maximum payout when they Google or look or try or have a discussion around CPP in general. They just think that, well, I've been working for such a long time and always contributing that I will get the max. But the actual average, and if you look at 2020, was $690 a month. So quite a significant difference than the max. And this isn't to scare people to think that they're only going to get the average because that average, of course, takes in everybody. And a lot of people in that are people that have not worked full-time for 40 years and been contributing the whole time. So we kind of see people more around the $1,000 mark in that. And I just don't want people to be scared that they think they're only getting 690 But that is the average. And this is just, like I said, because not everyone's contributing the whole time. So if you've always been working and contributing you'll be higher than the average. And the point really here is just to make sure that before you decide to start taking it, that you find out what the max is that you're getting. And we'll get into today how to figure that out. Anyways, Gary, so let's just dive in here and discuss. uh, First thing is, I know we're going to go through just a couple things to think of, but when do you kind of start seeing the majority of people when you're filing their tax returns and that, and you start seeing the CPP income when do you find the majority or what age people start taking this? Well, through my experience, I've seen majority probably take it around at 65, just because that's sort of the average when they're looking at retiring and everything else. It's been more and more common in the last sort of decade or so to seeing it sort of taken at 60, no matter what. So those are sort of the two ages that I sort of see when they're breaking, taking the CPP. What we always look at though is, as you know, when that question's asked is, when should they be taking it? And that's sort of where our clients who are planning ahead of time are asking us that, those questions and looking for us to give sort of that solution inside the accounting world and in the advisory world. So we've done sort of some math and you can look online and they all sort of somewhere come around the same sort of age range, age ranges that if we are taking pension at 60, the average sort of break even point is in that sort of 72 to 73 range. So you have that 
you know, if you're retiring at 60 and taking your money, your, your age range is around uh, 73 years old. With that is every year you de- delay it, you get about an extra year before you sort of cross that break-even point. So that's sort of the, uh, the general rule of thumb. For those that don't need the money and can put the money away, the, with a sort of 5% growth rate, we saw that the, the break-even point is around 78 years old. So it's getting closer to that average lifespan in, in Canada, which is now closer to 82, uh, 80 for males and 84 for females. So that's sort of getting closer when you take it at 60 and you just invest it. Yeah. So for people listening, the, what Gary means by the break-even, because I've we've Gary and I have worked through a couple scenarios for clients in regards to this. And sometimes clients, they don't understand when we say the break-even age. And what that means is for the first scenario, Gary, when you're, when you were uh, mentioning, so someone that, it, that re- starts taking it at 60 versus someone that takes it at 65, the individual that takes it at 65 is not benefiting until that individual is 73 years of age because the individual that started at 60 was getting the money first. And that's why just where the break-even age means that individual at age 65 doesn't necessarily benefit immediately when they start taking it. It takes that individual to become uh, 73 years of age before, okay, now he's getting more money in his pocket by waiting. That's where the break-even age, that's what it, it means. Exactly, and then, Chris. The, uh, that, that break-even is essentially that person had five years of whatever their pension was to do something with, whether it's investing or spending. And that's what we are looking at is if you took out, let's say $8,000 a year, you have five years, so you have $40,000 more in your pocket. Where does that other person catch up to you who took it at 65? Yeah. And a lot like, it's interesting how you say that, that you, that you've noticed more so recently, more people over the last few years taking it earlier because I've also seen that. I've also seen more articles written towards that. And just the consensus of a lot of people saying, well, the fears of, you know what, I'm just scared it's not going to be there. If I die, I don't get, my family doesn't get anything. I just want to get the money as soon as I possibly can. But there is a lot of other factors to, to consider with that. And like the, the break-even age, what you're doing with it, if you're investing it, and couple, quite a few other things. Now, let's, Gary, with the tax planning side of it, what tips do you have in regards to CPP with, from the tax side of it? Because it is obviously 100% taxable income. Exactly. So some of the tips in CPP is, you know, as you've sort of mentioned in, in those, with those break-evens, but it still comes down to a personal question because if you need that money to live on, well, then the tax planning uh, shouldn't be the one that you're considering. We've all, I've always been told, and I always sort of tell people, don't let a tax drive the cart. Because if you need the money, then you need to take the money out and whatever the tax is, the tax will be. However, for those that don't need the money or have, say, a large pension or RSP that's sort of sitting there, that's when it comes into what can we do to you know, tax plan around taking that RS or taking out the CPP. So I just did a little brief little sort of scenario using someone with a million dollars sitting in their RSP 
and if they took out sort of $8,000 per year from the CPP. So that's sort of around more closer, as you said, to thousand a month. I've seen closer to sort of eight, $900 a month. So we're closer to the 8,000, uh, especially when they start taking it early, it, it sort of drops down from that point, which one, as we haven't talked about is that CPP is based on taking it at 65. And when you take it out early, you actually reduce it by 0.6% per month or 7.2% per year. So if you took it five years early, total cost, if you're supposed to get a thousand bucks, you're only going to get uh, 640 because it's a 36% reduction. So when you take it early, that's where that sort of normal thousand dollars a month, you're going to get closer to that $800 or $8,000 a year rather than the $14,000 a year or 12,000. So that's sort of where I sort of see a lot of the early CPP is in that six to $8,000 range on an annual basis. So that's where I sort of took my example from is if you had $8,000 over those five years, if you're just in that normal middle bracket that we sort of try to plan under your OAS clawback, we take back and go, it's a 29.65% tax rate. So if you took $40,000, you're going to pay $11,860 in tax. So the net in your pocket, you have $28,140. Sounds really good. You know, you're sort of coming ahead. If you had a million dollar portfolio, if something was to happen to you and it becomes taxable at that point in time, you have a 53.53% tax rate. So on that same $40,000, you're going to have 21000 $21,412 in tax. So at the end of the day, you only have $18,588. So what we look at those and you go, would I rather have, you know, 28 in my pocket or would I rather reduce potentially paying 22,000 in tax? So that's one of the, the, the ideas that we look at is if you're in your large, RS, large RSP, because it's highly taxable, if you can draw that out early, you, you sort of are saving yourself some estate tax down the road. That is always dependent upon, you know, so life expectancy, because if you got the money from the government, it doesn't continue on once you pass away. So that's sort of the, uh, the first sort of tip that I, I would suggest is that you got to look at what you already have versus what you'd receive from CPP. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about is if there's a lot of registered assets in the portfolio already, then before you're taking CPP, basically it's, if I don't know if listeners have heard of a thing called a RIF meltdown, is you start draining down your registered assets before taking your CPP, just so that you can obviously have pay less tax eventually going forward. And that's what Gary's getting into, correct Gary, is just draining down those registered assets before you now add a, a second income source to increase your tax bracket even more. Correct. That's sort of what we're, we're looking at because if you have that large account, that money can stay in your family. So you do want to try to get that out of that registered because it's such highly taxable. Because the other side of that is if you do have longevity in your genes, typically if parents live to a fairly old age, you're you know not guaranteed, but it's, you know, statistically more likely you're going to that age. And so you do receive more money 
from candidate pension if you actually what we call wait to 65 or defer it to up to the age of 70 because you can do that as well and that increases your actual pension by 0.7 per month up to the point of after five years it's 42 percent greater so that's sort of what we were we're looking at is that you can actually increase that benefit from 1203 a month that can actually be increased upwards to 43%. So that's another $480 on top of that. So that puts you up almost to $1,700 a month if you deferred till 70 because you had a large other amount. So you can you know, increase your living expenses later in life just by having that and decreasing your estate tax because you've taken that registered money out. And two things here I want to add. So for, with the registered money too, for listeners, it doesn't mean that you just take it out and spend it to deregister it. Of, of course you can, if, if your lifestyle needs it. But what we do for clients is a lot of times the RIF meltdowns, even though they don't need it, we show the tax projections and all of that and estate planning purposes and everything else. But then they take it and reinvest it and their tax-free savings account or non-registered account, because those accounts obviously aren't 100% taxable. And that's where those RIF meltdowns can save a significant amount of tax going forward. Uh, the other thing, Gary, and it's good that you went over that and touched on the, the carrot the government dangles in front of you to get you to try and delay CPP. But what those numbers don't take into consideration is, is, is that it's also the inflation protections. There's also inflation on top of that as well, which is also another nice thing to have is that every year you wait, you're getting that extra amount, but you're also getting inflation protection on that as well. On, on average, I, I usually estimate somewhere around 1.2 or 1.3% that uh, CPP grows every year. So on top of that 7%, sorry, 8.4% per year, you actually get a 1.2% increase on top of that. So you're, you know, it's greater than the actual 8.4% per year, just numerically, whenever you factor that all in from what you would have received to what you will be receiving. And you, it continues to grow while you're get, receiving the, the benefit. It doesn't, it's not like a regular pension, say from a work that gives you X dollars per year. That's all you're ever going to get, you know, unless you're, you know, one of the, the few who have a pension that is a what we call indexed, it's indexed usually to the consumer price index, which then you'll you know gradually increase. And usually you'll see those in some uh, public uh, jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of those a lot of those fortunate people that have the divine benefit pensions with inflation protection, we've no, I've noticed or I've, well, obviously I've witnessed over the last couple of years that some of those bigger pension plans they're starting to actually make changes to some of the inflation protection on those defined benefit pensions and uh, they're not making them better they're actually decreasing them in a way so it's just it is a very good option to have that or it's a very valuable thing on top of the CP pension that you do have that inflation protection now Gary with Regards to the CPP, when people start taking this, do you recommend that income tax be deducted from each payment? And if so, how does someone figure that out on their own if they have to figure out an amount to be taken off? That's a good question. In general, my, my general rule of thumb is I don't want to pay something before I have to. So I don't usually like to recommend 
income tax be taken off. So what we call those withholding tax. So I don't usually recommend withholding tax because if you owe more than $3,000 in a year, CRA is going to tell you you have to pay it in installments quarterly. So I'd rather wait for those quarterly installments versus having to have my money taken off every pay or every monthly income received because, you know, why not put it in my money into my pocket and have a chance to earn a little bit in my pocket versus giving a tax-free loan to the government for that year. However, I also know from a, a mental side of it, people do not like to see tax owing at the end of the year. So yeah, that's so sort of the two sides that we have to <laughs> balance in there. So I don't really recommend taking it off, but if you're going to take it off, I would just balance it out to whatever you owed last year and go, well, if it owes an extra $200, well, maybe I have to take off an extra you know, $20 a, a month. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, it, but and also dealing with a lot of retirees, I do know that the majority of them, regardless if that makes sense dollar wise, majority of them just like the, they don't like the bill. And you know that from doing it, like you just touched on it. They're like, yep, I get it, Chris, but I want it taken off because I just do not want a bill in April. And I'd rather that I just know that this coming to my bank account is mine and go from there. So I guess one thing they can do is they can, you can, if you don't have a financial advisor or an accountant, of course, if you do, then you, it's easy. Just get them to do it for you. If you don't, you can Google tax calculators online, put your income in and kind of give yourself, it shows you roughly what your average tax rate is going to be. And then you would just simply take that percentage off CPP to at least give you a start on how much to take off. And then that would be in the first year. And then of course, after that, then you, you'd have an idea like Gary's mentioning on how much you owed the previous year to figure out if you need to take more off or not. Also too is now important is how much will I get to get, to figure that out, to get an estimate of your monthly CPP retirement pension payments. You can just simply get that through your My Service Canada account. And I recommend everyone sign up for that. It just gives you so much useful information. And if you don't have an account, you can just register for one and they'll just send you a personal access code to complete your registration. But that will give you an idea of kind of where you are. You at the average? Are you close to the max? Where are you at? And of course, I highly recommend you do that before you even think of taking it because obviously it's pretty important to figure out what you're going to get before you uh, enroll and start to receive it. Now, Gary, do you see any common mistakes on people taking CPP early? There's, I guess it's hard to say uh, a mistake to take it early. If there's sort of personal preferences. The issue I tend to see is that people just take it and just to start spending it. They don't have any sort of sort of plan. They just, they just figure I it's my money. I'm going to do what I want with it versus the notion that it's there for living expenses and for down the road. If you're going to continue to work, probably need to sort of figure it into your sort of savings plans as well, not just to go out and spend it. So that's usually the, I guess, the only real common mistakes I see taking it early is that your income jumps and therefore you now just go and spend. But then again, as I said, it's a personal choice and some people do it just because they don't figure they're going to live long enough. Where it hurts you is the fact that reduction, that 36% reduction we talked about earlier, it doesn't increase as you get, as time goes on. So you've taken it early, you're going to be reduced the whole time through. So, you know, you're 80 years old and you're going, 
you know, now I'm eight years into my, I've crossed that break even point. Now what, right? Your, your income's significantly less than maybe you need to live on. So that's sort of the, probably the common mistake is that people aren't looking to the future with that, uh, with their CPP. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that where someone's still working, making a high income and they just want to just grab it because it's a government benefit. But as you said, it doesn't make sense to just take that now and put yourself in a higher tax bracket and then just spend it. So I, I agree with you on that, that there has to be a plan around and it's an important decision on when you are going to take this and not just take it early. Cause you're just like, I want my money from the government and I'm worried it's not going to be there. So basically with our clients and that, obviously we have the luxury of knowing their full situation. So it helps us make it much easier to provide them like specific advice on this. But for listeners, here's four general questions to kind of simplify what we've been touching on today with Gary on if you should take it or defer it. So the first question you would need to ask yourself is, do you need the cash flow at all right now? If things are tight and you need the cash flow, well, then obviously it's, there's, your, there's your answer. So a check mark for yes, if you need the cash flow now, and an X for no. So these four questions, there's going to be a check mark or an X, and you're going to do that on a piece of paper. So second question would be, how long do you think you will live? Now, this would make financial planners' jobs extremely easy if everyone could tell us an expiry date, but of course, nobody knows that. And it's obviously not the easiest question for some people to ask, or, or sorry, answer. But you can look at things like your current health, family history, that will give you some clues. And I may be saying like, how long do you think you're going to live? And you're like, well, who the heck knows that? We have some people when we're going through this and we ask that right away, they're like, nope, I will not live. I know I'm not upset, but I know I will not be living the average age of 80, 84, 83. And they'll, they'll explain to you why, but they're convinced with whether it's history, lifestyle, a few scares, or for whatever reason, they are just, they know and that they were, sorry, they believe that they won't live that average life expectancy. And if they feel that they're not going to make it past the age of 65, for whatever reason, that's a check mark for yes. And then you'd put an X for no, if you feel, feel that you're going to live longer than age 75. Next thing is, do you have any other pension plans that can kind of balance off your CPP? Specifically, if you have another pension plan that you're taking payments from earlier than expected, or perhaps in the case, it makes more sense just to defer the CPP because you are taking those payments early. So check mark for if you don't have another pension plan, and if you do have other income, uh, you'd put an X that you don't, that if you don't have any other pension plans. The fourth question is for the CPP proceeds, will the, and this is what Gary just touched on, will the CPP be spent or is it going to be invested in a tax sheltered account? Or are they just going to sit basically in even a taxable account? So if you're going to spend it because you need it for cash flow, or you're going to reinvest it in a tax shelter account, then that's next. If it's just going to sit in a bank account because you don't really need it, and now that's taxable, that would be an X. And that means now if you go back and look at your sheet, if you have more checks marks than Xs, then it looks like you're taking CPP earlier, and it may be a benefit for you. And of course, I'm going to add in the disclaimer as always, it's best to not chance these things and speak to a financial professional, but I'm just trying to give some people some tips here on in this 25 minute or so podcast, what would be best for them to kind of try and figure this out. But of course, always best to sit down with a professional and go over these important decisions. 
the other thing too, is I just wanted to mention before we wrap up here is that there's all, there's going to be two paths here on taking CPP early or not. One is based on numbers and returns and the other is based on lifestyle. So what I mean by that is the $1 might mean more to a young, healthy retiree in the go-go phase of retirement, as opposed to the $1 to a retiree in the very late stages of retirement and the slow-go or no-go phase in retirement. In other podcasts, I've mentioned those three phases in retirement. With I've mentioned that in the first 10 years in anyone's retirement is usually the most active with trips, hobbies, hobbies socializing, et cetera. And that's, of course, going to take more money usually than in the later phases. So after the go-go phase of retirement, then you'll eventually go to the slow-go phase where it's a bit more difficult to travel, stay active, all that. And then, of course, the next phase is no-go, which I don't think I need to really explain. Not the nicest things that I have to think about, but unfortunately, it's reality. And our job here is to make sure that all these factors are identified so that we can help people make the best decisions. So anyways, I'm hoping that this kind of gave listeners a, a couple tools to start figuring out around that decision on should I or shouldn't I? And of course, any questions as always, you can always contact us through our website at threehatsfinancial.ca. And I just want to thank you, Gary, very much for coming on and giving us some tax tips and, and looking at it from a tax perspective as well. So thanks very much for jumping on the show with us. You're very welcome. Gary Armstrong with some insight into the CPP and Chris Duro of Three Hats Financial helping him out. Make sure to subscribe to or follow this podcast to get all the latest episodes. Share with friends and please comment. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.